Is Good podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller, and today we're talking more about who God is because this world is full of hardships, and when we get focused on that, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but when we focus on who God is, it helps us see how small we are, how small this world is, and how small our problems are, and we can have faith and have confidence in Him who does not change. Today we're focusing on God's attribute of holy which is a pretty big and obvious one. And honestly, it's wrapped up in every single one of his characteristics is that everything that he is, is holy. There's a really cool video by the Bible Project that you should definitely check out that explains more about his holiness. And the visuals and illustrations they have with the video are very helpful too. And in the video, they talk about how God's holiness is kind of comparable to the sun because the sun Um, is unique in our solar system. It's a source of life. And when you get close to it, you get burned up. And it's not because the sun is bad. It's because the sun is good. And in the same way, God is unique and he is the source of life. We can't approach him all messy and unclean without Jesus. Jesus helps us that we can approach his throne of grace with confidence. But, But without Jesus... We are a mess and we would be completely burned up by his holiness, not because he's bad, but because he's so good. When we look up holy, just on Google, it says dedicated or consecrated to God or a religious purpose, sacred. And um, another way we use holy is we usually use it like in explanations like holy smokes. (laughs) But uh, the Hebrew word for holy kind of translates to being set apart for a specific purpose. And we see that with how God set apart the Israelites for his purpose. The Gospel Coalition, um, it's a website that has a lot of great resources, but the way that they described God's holiness is they said the holiness of God refers to the absolute moral purity of God, the absolute moral distance between God and his human creatures. So God is holy, we are not. And throughout the Bible, we see him being described as holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's repeated three times. And as one of my old pastors used to say, if it's repeated, it's important. And really, when it's saying it three times, it's adding an emphasis each time as that word echoes once again and echoes again. It just is a stronger realization of how holy God is. And God, in the Old Testament, we see how he set apart the Israelites. They were a set-apart nation. But they couldn't just enter God's presence. God came and dwelt among them. And they had to become clean before they could enter God's presence. But he did set them apart. And in Deuteronomy 7, we see that's not because they were great or anything like that. It says the Lord had his heart set on you, speaking to the Israelites, and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your fathers, he brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." So it wasn't anything that the Israelites did. They weren't holy when God called them, but he called them and set them apart and he showed them how to be holy. That's why he gives the law. Sometimes we see the Old Testament, especially like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, where there's a bunch of laws and we just want to skip over that and skim through it. And this is God showing them how to live in a way that was set apart from other nations, how to live to be holy and enter into his presence. It was his love letters to them of how they could live in communion with him and be in his presence. 
They had to be clean from sin. That's why they had to make those sacrifices. They had to be clean in other ways too. They couldn't be just touching you know, weird bodily fluids or dead bodies or dead animals and then come into God's presence. They had to be clean of that too. And we see why in Leviticus 15, 31, it says, you must keep the Israelites from their uncleanness so that they do not die by defiling my tabernacle that is among them. Just like we talked about as the imagery of God being like the sun, if you get too close, you could just burn up. In the same way, the Israelites, if they just decided to waltz into the Holy of Holies unclean, they would die. In Leviticus 19, verse 2, God tells them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. He showed them the ways to make the sacrifices to follow his law in a way that they could be clean and holy. In Leviticus 20, verse 22, it says, You are to keep all my statutes and all my ordinances and do them, so that the land where I am bringing you to live will not vomit you out. And in verse 24, it says, I am the Lord your God who set you apart from the peoples. And verse 26, You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. So he was showing them how to live once because they were set apart from other nations and they were to live in a way that showed that they were God's people and not just doing whatever they wanted. Like God is their king and their Lord and they're to live how he says and also to be, more importantly, to be in communion with him and to be able to be in his presence and to be his people. So that's how it was in the Old Testament where they had to become clean before they could enter God's presence. But the crazy thing is, and we see this in Isaiah 6, it's like this prophecy and a foreshadowing of Jesus. We see Isaiah in the temple, which is not where he should have been. Like we've talked about, you can't just enter God's presence. So starting in verse 1 in Isaiah 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, they each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. So he's in the presence of God, and his, it's saying right here how holy he is. And Isaiah knows that he is not holy. He says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. He was in God's presence, but he was not clean. This is the crazy part, though. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that had been taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. So that's something that was unheard of in the Old Testament times, because back then, you, when you touched something that was unclean, it made you unclean. And then you had to do like a sacrifice or something to be clean again. But in this case, the seraphim brought something to him and touched him with it that made him clean. So instead of uncleanness transferring from something to a person, it was holiness or cleanliness that was transferring to him. And this is pointing to Jesus. Because when Jesus came, he brought the holiness. He came and he didn't avoid the sick and the dead because it would make him unclean, but instead he healed the sick. He didn't avoid the lepers, but he healed them, and he brought the dead back to life. That was revolutionary, and it changed everything that 
God's presence just came to us instead of us having to become clean to come to him. We are not holy on our own. Well, as we talked about last week, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Only by his blood are we made clean. And then there's this sanctification process of becoming holy, becoming more like God. And that's something that happens throughout your life. And the atonement is a one-time thing that we talked about. You know, Jesus died once to save us from all of our sins. But the process of becoming holy is something that takes our life of faith, of trusting in God and becoming more like him and relying on his word. Jesus lived the holy, perfect life and showed us how to live in a holy way. And it's just mind-boggling that he was able to come. He left his throne in heaven to come down to earth as a human and he brought his holiness to us. Not because of anything that we did, but because that he, he loves us. In John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So it's not anything that we did. God chose us. And he loved us so much that he brought his holiness to us so that we could be in communion with him. It is by his grace that we have been saved. It's not anything that we can earn. And this is where sometimes we get in these two places. Place one is sometimes thinking that we need to perform or have perfection in order to earn that salvation, that we have to live a certain way and then we can be in God's presence. That's not it. He came while we were still sinners and died for us. That's how he demonstrated his love. So we are saved by faith, putting our trust and faith in him and making him our savior and our Lord. So that salvation is already paid for. So we need to make sure that we don't fall into that and thinking that we need to be perfect or to perform in order to be able to be in God's presence. He already made the way for us. We just need to accept that and his lordship. The other way that we don't want to fall into is this complacency because we are already saved, so I can just live how I want, right? In Romans 6, verse 15, it says, What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Absolutely not. God made a way for us, and we should live in a way that shows that we are saved. Just as the Israelites, God chose them and set them apart, and he showed them how to live to be in communion with him, and also to show that they were set apart people. And now we're not under the law like that. We're under grace because God saved us through his son, through his blood. That doesn't mean that we can just live however we want to now. That means that he is our savior and our Lord, and we want to follow him. In John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It's not something, it's not this legalistic, I must do this in order to be holy so that I can be saved. No, he already saved you. That's the thing. You have to accept that. But, Out of this love that we have for him, we want to keep his commands because we want to live in communion with him and we want to show others that we love him. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. In the same way as with the Israelites, even though that we are now under grace, we still want to obey him because we love him 
and let other people know that we love him because we're acting different than they are. But the crazy, crazy, crazy thing is how holy God is. We can never fathom how perfect and holy he is. And we can try to be more like him every day by trusting in him and following his word. But that's a whole process of sanctification. That's not something that will be just done in one day. But we can be in awe of who he is because he is holy. In Revelation 4 verse 8, sounds very similar to Isaiah 6. It says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night they never stop saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. May we never lose awe, lose sight of how holy he is, and let us praise him for that, and hopefully become more like him. Again, it's not perfection in order to earn salvation, nor is it complacency because we're already saved. But because we have been saved, because he loves us, may we love him, may we draw near to him, and become more like him, because we are set apart for his purposes. Thank you for joining me today for the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. God is so good, even when life is crazy and all kinds of hardships come up in our life, we can trust him in all things because he is holy, righteous, and pure, and he is so, so good. Please join us next week as we talk about forgiveness, which is not an easy topic because a lot of us have been hurt by people. So let's dive into forgiveness next week together. But until then, you can find us on Instagram at Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. You can join our Facebook group. Please share, rate, write reviews. Writing reviews on different podcast platforms help other people to find the podcast. So please share what your thoughts are and just how God is speaking to you through his word. May you have an awesome week and may the Lord bless you and keep you.